Aloha mai ina pua o kahonoa me ana hoku o kalani o no kahula. Hello and welcome to Changing the Narrative, starring and produced by yours truly, Kahula. This is the podcast that discusses everything and anything, random and not, for the sake of starting and sparking conversation. I also explore the current narratives on a number of things, like the stereotypes of said narratives, or how history has been described, and we delve deeper to see where the truth starts and stops within these narratives. I hope you stick around. Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 11 of Changing the Narrative. I know it's been a couple of months, and a couple of months ago I said I was going to start producing content again, but the holiday season came around and if you are from Hawaii, you know exactly that struggle. You might not be from Hawaii and you know that struggle. It just gets busy during the holiday season. But I'm back. Um, and today is January 17th. I'm saying that because today is a pretty important day in Hawaiian history as well as in Hawaiian history modernly. Um, and I decided today I wasn't planning on doing anything for today, but I figured what a better way to come back on such an important date within Hawaiian history to try and teach a little bit about it and um, give my condolences and give my uh, little bit of remembrance to this day, even though I personally never experienced the day, I still... Uh, know what this day means for myself as well as my people, um, for many of them anyways, and I just wanted to kind of come out and talk about it because this is what my podcast is for, you know, so um, I will be, it is going to be a late posting obviously because it is already 10.47 at night as I am recording this on today. Um, but I will also be posting something on Kahula Rights, whether that is January 17th or 18th. I am going to work that out later. <laughs> but anyway, um, today marks the 129th anniversary of the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom. And as I am recording it, I am... Feeling a lot of feelings today is definitely a very emotionally charged day within the Hawaiian Kingdom. So it's not something that I definitely uh, take lightly. All of the old Hawaiian holidays is also something feeling somewhat similar to this. Uh, There's many feelings of pride in some holidays. For today, it's more feelings of somberness. Anger could be one. Uh, solidarity is another feeling, um, you know, so today, today is definitely an emotionally charging, charged, excuse me, day for, um, the Hawaiian community, as well as people who have had family members here since before the overthrow, my family included, you know, so we're just going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this day. We're going to talk about what it means. Uh, we're going to talk about all these kinds of things. I know we, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, you know a couple of months ago, oh, a lot of months ago actually, probably more than half a year ago, um, I did a series in May, which is Hawaiian History Month. Um, and we did a series of just kind of talking about uh, post-contact Hawaii 
just post-contact to now, where I talked about all the monarchs and all those kinds of things, and we talked about this day there. So this is kind of a little bit of a recap if you listened to that one, if you would like to go back and listen to that one to kind of get more in-depth information, definitely go there. But today I'm going to be talking specifically about the overthrow, um, the events that led to the overthrow, Um, on the day, I should say, not like events leading up to it, because there were quite a bit of events leading up to what would become the bigger event of the overthrow itself. I'm just going to be talking about the overthrow itself, but if you would like to hear more, I definitely would recommend going back to um, that Hawaiian History Month series. I think that was episodes six and seven, talking about um, from... Kamehameha Ikahi, Kamehameha the Great, Kamehameha the First, all the way to statehood. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, But anyways, today I'm just talking about the overthrow. But before I do that, I really want to get into kind of house values and make sure that as we go into the new year, um, for any old listeners or new listeners, that we're all kind of on the same page about who I am and what I do. Um... So, as I stated in the very first couple of episodes, probably the very first one for sure, um, my podcast is purely for the sake of starting a conversation and educating people, informing um, on opinions, informing on facts about Hawaii. A lot of it will be Hawaii-based, and sometimes, though it may not be, I may be talking to a friend about something, I may be talking... um, just about anything that's going on in general. A lot of it will circle back to Hawaii because I am a Hawaii-raised girl. I was not born here, as I think I've mentioned before, Um, but I was raised in Hawaii. My family is from Hawaii. I am Kanaka Maoli. You know, I am a Weevee. I am a native to this land, so a lot of it will come back to Hawaii. But that being said... um, I do not claim and I will never claim to speak on behalf of the entirety of the Hawaiian community. A lot of um, the opinions that I do share will be either my own or what I am seeing um, in the Hawaiian media. And again, that will not be the general consensus for the entirety of the Hawaiian community. Um... I'm saying what I'm seeing on my algorithms, but the algorithms that people, other people may be seeing are, are and can be vastly different. So I don't want to disregard those feelings and those um, uh, opinions and viewpoints. I am, if any opinions are being shared, they are what I am seeing on my algorithm um, from the pages I follow and all those kinds of things. Um, as well as things that I'm seeing kind of within the news. Um, But I, again, do not claim to speak on behalf of the entirety of Hawaii or the Hawaiian um, Hawaiian community, sorry. Um, And disclaimer, I will be citing my sources. I usually always try to cite sources if I don't or if I forget. Um, Please definitely let me know. You can DM me on my Instagram at Kahula Writes. That's at K-A-H-U-L-A Writes with an S. Excuse me, again, that is at Kahula Writes. K-A-H-U-L-A Writes with an S. And I encourage 
anyone if you are Hawaiian or not, if you would like to talk about anything, even just having a short conversation, or if you see there is some incongruencies with the information that I'm sharing, with the facts I'm sharing, please fact check me. Check me. I encourage fact checking all the time because I want to give you guys as accurate information as possible so that the conversations that we have or that I start are accurate and they are um, timely, you know, all those good accuracy things. Um, but yeah, that is my disclaimer out of the way. And so now we are going to dive right in to the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom. Um, so, today, as I said, is, as I'm recording this, is January 17th, 2022. And 129 years ago, on January 17th, 1893, a small group of Haole, or foreign slash white businessmen, backed by the U.S. Consul and Marines, invaded Honolulu and attacked the constitutional government, as well as the reigning sovereign Queen Liliuokalani, the last queen of the Hawaiian Kingdom. This small group of 13 businessmen moved then to proclaim themselves the provisional government and became and because they were backed by U.S. Minister John Stevens, Stevens gave them immediate recognition as a legitimate government. In protest to this, the Queen issued a form of protest to the United States. You can find all this information that I'm saying. I forgot to say that. I'm so sorry. Um, but everything that I'm talking about right now, you can find in the book No, Ma no Mako Kamana. Um, that is No Mako Kamana. N-O-M-A-K-O-U-K-A-M-A-N-A -A 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 for all my non-Hawaiian speakers. And that is by Kamana Beamer. I use this book a lot. I've used this book before in previous episodes, especially when I'm doing anything Hawaiian history. Uh, it's just a good source. Um, Kamana, is, Kamana, Kamana Beamer is a really good Hawaiian scholar within the Hawaiian community. Um, and this book definitely goes into great detail, so definitely recommend. But all that information that I just said comes from page 193. Um, so moving on a little bit further, besides the formal protest put in by the Queen, groups of Hawaiian nationals would move to defeat and protest the treaty. These groups included those such as Hui Kalai Aina and the Hui Aloha Aina. And so... This comes from page 193, uh, excuse me, 195. And this is kind of important. I'm just going to pause there really quick um, because Kamana Beamer does a really good job of specifying between um, Oivi and Hawaiian Nationals. And I bring this up right now and I pause right here because the word Hawaiian Nationals is a very important thing and this is actually kind of something of discourse I'm seeing a lot within um just between people in general because right the within America there's race ethnicity and nationality um race wasn't something that was introduced until like in Hawaii until after American influence and I'm pretty sure after the annexation happened the false annexation happens um 
But Hawaiian nationals weren't just people who were Kanaka Maoli or Oivi. Hawaiian nationals didn't just include native people. Hawaiian nationals included um, people of the Hawaiian kingdom who had a nationality status within Hawaii, who were Hawaiian citizens of the Hawaiian kingdom. And this is very important to note because back then when Hawaii was a nation, when it was an independent sovereign nation, there was a Hawaiian nationality status. So when we think of the word Hawaiian today, we think of it as an ethnicity as well as a race. But technically, the ethnicity and nationality is Hawaiian. There is no Hawaiian race because race is just a social construct. Instead, there were Hawaiian nationals and Hawaiian um, Hawaiians of ethnic background. Um, so I just wanted to note that very quick, as you can tell all my stuttering because I am going off script. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Here, Kamana Beamer does point out Hawaiian nationals, and that is very key to point out in all of this because Hawaiian nationals is very different from Hawaiian as we see it today due to the discrepancies between nationality, ethnicity, and race. Um, And it's very interesting because one of the jobs that I used to work, sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but one of the jobs that I used to work, which I will not disclose for privacy reasons, um, allowed me to kind of venture into looking at um, birth certificates from the Hawaiian Kingdom and then from the Republic of Hawaii and then from the territory of Hawaii all the way to the state of Hawaii. Um, And it was interesting to see the different little changes on these birth certificates um, of Hawaiian people because before um, race wasn't on there until probably, I don't remember exactly the time frame, but... um, Hawaiian didn't become a race until a certain point in time, and you can definitely tell that on the little things, looking at um, like censuses in Hawaii and the Hawaiian Kingdom versus um, the state of Hawaii or the territory of Hawaii, and also birth certificates are a really cool thing to look out look at for that because you can see that change within the mindset of people. Um, seeing it from a social point of view and a political point of view through things like birth certificates, death certificates, marriage certificates, and censuses. Um, So yeah, that's a very cool little tidbit, um, and I'm going to move on now. (laughs) So the two groups, um, Hui Kalai Aina and Hui Aloha Aina, would go to conduct large-scale petition drives, which collected the signatures of nearly 40,000 Hawaiian nationals who opposed annexation. These petitions and the Queen's formal protests would go to the U.S. Congress, succeeding in Congress by never pass because Congress would never pass any treaty of annexation as it could not attract the required two-thirds vote needed. However, restoration did not come, unfortunately, because even though U.S. Congressman James Blount was who was sent by President Grover Cleveland to conduct an in- investigation. Um, in which would show that all the events surrounding the overthrow was unconstitutional. 
1897, because of a change in presidency, the provisional government would rename itself to become the Republic of Hawaii. And then in 1898, despite the acceptance and of the protest from the Queen, as well as the petitions made by almost 40,000 Hawaiian nationals, um, U.S. administration would pursue the annexation, and though it did not use a treaty of annexation, it instead used a domestic joint resolution known as the Newlands Resolution. To this day, it is <coughs> excuse me, still not understood or known how the U.S. was able to annex Hawaii, which was a foreign independent nation that they had previously recognized as such would use a domestic document to annex a foreign nation, but it did, and on July 6, 1898, Hawaii was annexed into the United States as a territory. Um, almost 40 years later, I guess? No, don't listen to my math, but fast-forwarding to August 21st, 1959, President Eisenhower would proclaim and sign Hawaii as the 50th state of America. So, as you can kind of see the progression, pausing again, all of this information was on, um, from, like, 95, page 95 to, uh, there's a couple pages you have to scan through to get to it, but it starts on like page 95 and you just got to go through the pages a little bit to find all this information. Um, but as you can see chronologically, it goes from January 17th, uh, the Hawaiian Kingdom is overthrown, and then we have James Blount coming the same year. Um, and finding and investigating that all the actions done to Hawaii by U.S. was unconstitutional in December of 1893. And then we have um, in 1897, with the change of presidency from Grover to McKinley, um, we have the provisional government becoming the Republic of Hawaii. And then in 1898, um, we have the Republic of Hawaii becoming the territory of Hawaii because U.S. administration would annex Hawaii using the joint resolution known as the Newlands Resolution. So, and then all the way in 1959, you have Hawaii becoming a state from a territory to the 50th state of America. It's a lot of information, I know, which is why I don't have much more information to be said, pretty much. Um, but it's just, that's the timeline of it all. It's very compact. It happened from, at least from the overthrow to the territory in installation. Um, it happened very, very fast in political timeline, at least, because even back then, a lot of the um, checks and balances that happen now are still happened back then. So politically speaking, from the overthrow to territory status, um, 
definitely very fast. And looking at how a lot of it happened under a joint resolution, which again is a domestic document that should not affect any foreign powers, uh, is a bit shady. <laughs> and you can see kind of like on page 194, there's a lot of good information kind of just talked about like what the different things that the Ali'i had to go through or the monarchs had to go through in Hawaii not only during Queen Lili'okalani's time but also during her brother's reign which was um, King Kalakaua right before hers where he was put under knife point, gunpoint through the 1887 Bayonet Constitution, which basically forced him to have to get a new cabinet full of white businessmen who were not the original cabinet that he had. Um, and when Lily Wokalani had tried to reinstate a new cabinet with Ali'i and different people, it said that the same minister, U.S., um, U.S. Minister Stevens would have probably invaded then if she had done that successfully. So there's a lot of information. I would definitely recommend Nomoko Komana um, if you are interested in kind of learning what had happened to Hawaii during um, all of from like Kamehameha the Great's time all the way to statehood and kind of beyond. I think it talks a little bit more modern too. Um, it's a great book. Great, great book. I completely recommend, and because it is by Kamana Beamer, who is a Hawaiian scholar, you'll get a little bit more um, of a side, like what happened in our view. So not looking at it from a U.S. history point of view, but a Hawaiian history point of view, which in these types of things is a great lens to look at. I definitely don't recommend it to be the only lens you look at, if, like anything. Don't just look at everything through one lens. Um, but because I have been fed the American U.S. history point of view of how what went down my entire life, this was a great find for me and a great introduction to me because it allowed me to see what had happened very differently. And it kind of connected the pieces. There were puzzle pieces missing, that's why, within U.S. history. And you could feel that in yourself when you're looking at your own history, you know. You can feel those types of things. And this definitely helped fill and find a lot more of those puzzle pieces. So I definitely recommend. But kind of coming back to it again, to this day, there still hasn't been much resolution, like, of these things. Because, right, how do you, how does the United States use a domestic document to annex a whole kingdom that was on its own, you know, that was misindependent? Um, so there wasn't much resolution to that other than what we can know. Um, basically, there was a resolution made in 1993. I, th I believe it was passed into law um, in, on November 23rd, 1993. Um, it's known as the SJ Res 19 or the 
Senate Joint Resolution 19, also known as the Apology Resolution. And this joint resolution acknowledges the 100th anniversary of the overthrow, as well as gives a formal apology to Native Hawaiians on behalf of the United States government of the unjust things that the government had done and supported um, in regards to the overthrow of Hawaii. It comes as no surprise to myself, and it may not come as any surprise to any of you, that this joint resolution was sponsored and co-sponsored by the two Hawaiian senators at the time, uh, which was Senator Akaka and Senator Inoue. So it probably comes as no surprise, but if you would like to learn more about it, because I um, definitely did not really know about it or understand it. I still don't completely understand it. And as I'm doing this last minute, I had no time to kind of research the ins and outs of it. But a great resource that you can look up is congress.gov. And this resource actually does help a lot because it kind of breaks down everything that you need to know um, about a, a resolution or a house bill that's going through. Um, and I definitely found... Um, SJRes19 on congress.gov. So if you go to congress.gov, you can just search up SJRes19 or Senate Joint Resolution 19, and it will bring up um, the apology resolution. And it will kind of give you an overview of it, who sponsored it, what committee it was on, um, where it's at in time. If you search up apology resolution, it will bring up this joint resolution as it was in its different forms before it got passed into um, legislative legislation. And this is because there probably was a lot of different amendments that went through and all these kinds of different things. So I would definitely recommend that if you do go to congress.gov and you search this up, search it up as SJRes19. Um, and you'll see the overview of it all. You see a summary of what it is. Uh, you can look at look at the text. It'll tell you the different actions that it has, um, what committee it's related to, and all those types of things. So I definitely, definitely, definitely uh, want you all to look it up because this one, this website's really cool, and you can use it to kind of learn about any bill that's going on right now in Hawaii, like HB 499, which is definitely a huge bill that kind of stirred up the Hawaiian community just recently, so definitely do that. But I'm going to read the summary for SJ Res 19 because I think it's very interesting, and I'm reading it straight off congress.gov, so definitely, definitely, if you would like to look into it more, go here. But it says here, introduced to the Senate on January 21st, 1993. And if you scroll back up, you can say when it was passed and became law, which was um, November 23rd, 1993. But it says, declares that the Congress won on the 100th anniversary of the illegal overthrow of the Kingdom of Hawaii on January 17th, 1893, acknowledges the historical significance of this event which resulted in the suppression of the inherent sovereignty of the Native Hawaiian people to commence the efforts of reconciliation initiated by Hawaii and the United Church of Christ with Native Hawaiians 
Three, apologizes for the overthrow of and the deprivation of the rights of the Native Hawaiians to self-determination. Four, expresses its commitment to acknowledge yeah, to acknowledge the ramifications of the overthrow in order to provide a foundation for reconciliation between the United States and the Hawaiian people, and five, urges the president to acknowledge the ramifications of the overthrow and to support reconciliation efforts. So, from all of that, dear people, um, you can notice how never once does it really state a reconciliations on political grounds so like having an actual decision on whether Hawaii would be annexed into the United States and having that ramified or whether the United States would give back the Hawaiian people um, its sovereignty and help it set up a strong foundation for a new government um, all of these ramifications and uh, different unification and ramification reconciliation efforts are all based on kind of social and economical grounds, which is not bad. And, and this is just what I'm seeing right here in this summary. I'm not looking at it closer as of right now. So if you would like to look into it closer, I 100% invite you to. I will probably look closer at it, at this apology resolution, as well as the new lens resolution um, when I have spare time, which hopefully is soon, but it might not be. So if you have the time and you take the time to do these things and you find interesting facts, definitely, definitely hit me up because I am 100% interested. I just do not have the time nor the motivation to make time as of right now to kind of delve into the rabbit hole of the legalities and the justification of the New Lens resolution as well as the apology resolution. Um, but I bring it up and I read this summary to you all because it is interesting. It is interesting from how, from what I can see, a lot of the reconciliation efforts and ramifications are on a social and economical level, but not a political level, even though they acknowledge that the overthrow was illegal. They make no effort to figure out a resolution to this. And so, yeah, very interesting things very somewhat shady things, but Hawaii has always kind of had an interesting relationship with America, um, being that they were interesting in the sense that to young Ali, who went abroad, um, if you remember episode 7 from way back when, <laughs> during the princess trip, Prince Alexander Liholiho and um, Prince Lot Capoeva 
um, they went on a trip to America and they had discussed their disdain for American culture and American mindsets. And during their monarchy had worked towards kind of um, diminishing American influence and American relations within the Hawaiian Kingdom. So very, very, very interesting things um, going on in regards to the relationships between Hawaii and America, the Hawaiian Kingdom, and the American government, the Hawaiian people, and the American government. Just lots of different things going on. But that is kind of the end of uh, what I have scripted for um, the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom, as well as kind of talking about SJ Res 19 being kind of the only resolution seen in regards to like political resolution. Um, and as you can tell, when there is not a lot of political resolution in a very, very, very politically charged event, there will not be a lot of social and cultural resolution. Um, you can definitely see that in a lot, at least from my point of view. There is a lot of different things happening now that um, definitely are politically and socially and culturally charged and triggering for um, the Hawaiian people such as what I mentioned earlier, HB 499, which is a House bill um, from the House of Representatives in the state of Hawaii, so not the Congress level, but the state level of House of Representatives, which is related to lease extensions on public land. And lease extensions within Hawaii going off from overthrow because it kind of relates back to the overthrow is something that has um, been hard within Hawaii, a hard topic for a long time now and may have been a key reason in why the overthrow of the Hawaiian Kingdom happened. Um, as one can imagine, let's imagine it all together as I go off on this little ramble talk, um, because of Hawaii's ge low geographic location, um, being that it is in the middle of the northern Pacific, and it is right between California and Japan, uh, it is a key location for um, ports. It is a key location for um, agriculture as well because of the agricultural abundance that it was back in the 1890s. So it's not a surprise that land like this would have been enticing to many countries, but many countries including America. And it was said by James Blaine, who was U.S. Secretary at the time, that there are only three places of value enough to be taken, and one is Hawaii. Um, you can find that quote on page 194. And it's hard because 
when you read that kind of stuff, you know, because it was something always said about Hawaii. You can see it. I talked a lot about propaganda, I think in one episode. If I didn't, I will, because I love talking about um, the propaganda of Hawaii, how tourism has used propaganda to help colonialism within Hawaii. Um, I love talking about that. So if I didn't talk about it, I will definitely talk about it in the future. But you see those kinds of things, and then you read at the bottom of 149 um, something that keys in on what was probably a reason for the overthrow, which is one frequently overlooked reason for American involvement in the overthrow was that the uh, Reciprocity Treaty of 1887 and thus the exclusive use of Pearl Harbor by the United States was set to expire, expire in 1894. On November 20th, 1892, British Consul Woodenhouse wrote, Up to the present time, no steps have been taken by the U.S. government to render Pearl Harbor available for U.S. warships. Overthrowing the constitutional Hawaiian government in 1893 allowed Pearl Harbor to be developed by the U.S. military without interference or oversight from the Hawaiian kingdom. So because of this lease of Pearl Harbor, to the United States and its expiration coming up quickly for the um, United States government. Its keyness in um, Navy like positioning was for sure uh, 100% in my opinion and the opinion of many others, including Kamana Beamer, a reason for the overtaking of the Hawaiian Kingdom and the overthrow, excuse me, of the Hawaiian Kingdom because it allowed for the U.S. military to have that exclusive use of Pearl Harbor and other Hawaiian islands as seen in history after the overthrow and after the annexation of Hawaii into America for its use. We've seen that with Koholawe and you see that today a lot with things like HB 499, because HB 499 includes military use of um, land like Pohakulo, which is the training site on Hawaii Island um, in between Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa. You can see it if you are driving on Saddle Road, um, or also known as Daniel Keinoi Highway. Um, you'll see it, you'll pass right by the training site. and. People probably don't, like, look at it, you know, like, oh, what a pretty base, you know, or all these interesting things going on. But when you see it through a Hawaiian lens, you know exactly what that place can mean, you know. So, um, Wasteland definitely, 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 definitely hasn't, it, we, Hawaiian people know, Hawaiian people know what leased land means when talked about for commercial use as well as military use. Not saying that the military is bad, I'm not claiming any of those things, I'm just saying Hawaii has had a very rocky relationship with the military. Um, not just the Hawaiian people, but 
Hawaiian lands, Hawaiian people have had a very rocky relationship with the military from the moment they stepped into Honolulu and invaded the Hawaiian kingdom. And that continues to today because not only has HB 499 come up and caused quite a stir within the Hawaiian community, not just because of the military, um, that concern extends to commercial and industrial areas as well, um, including resorts and tourism and those things like that. Um, oh, excuse me, I hit my computer. But um, um, one more recent thing that has come up for sure is um, the issue with Red Hill. That is a very hot topic, so I won't ponder on it too long. I myself do not know everything that there is um, about Red Hill, but um, Red Hill basically is the area within Honolulu. I don't know the exact name for it, but um, it is the event that happened as I know it from my understanding. And I encourage you that if you're hearing this to go look it up yourself. I am going to be looking it up um, after this because I have something going on that includes Red Hill. And so I want to be as informed as I possibly can. But as I'm saying it to you, this is my understanding of it now. I will probably do an episode about it quite soon. Um, but as my understanding of it now, what happened at Red Hill is that gasoline fueled tanks in Hawaii that are underground near um, the Honolulu Oahu aquifers um, have leaked into the aquifers or leaked near the aquifers and have contaminated a bunch of aquifer water. Um, and which has led to the contamination of a lot of Honolulu's and Oahu's drinking water. I'm saying Honolulu and Oahu's drinking water because from what I understand, everything that is going on with Red Hill affects the um, Honolulu area. So that's a very small area of Oahu. But because aquifers do connect quite often, it is kind of affecting a broader area of Oahu as well. So I'm saying both of those, but it has contaminated drinking water. And um, this has been happening for quite a while, but the public has just been notified of it mainstream just recently. So um, that's happening. That has to do with the Navy's um, fuel tanks because those fuel tanks are reserve fuel tanks for things like in case of a war. Um, if there is ever a war, those are the fuel tanks that are going to be used to fuel um, jets and uh, warships, those types of things. That That's what that tank is. Um, and from what I understand, the most recent thing is that the Navy has agreed to comply with um, the states and I think I'm just going to say state because I know it was a state-mandated order by Governor Ike to the Navy to um, drain the fuel tanks. And from what I most recently know is that the Navy has agreed to those orders, um, but they 
were not thrilled about it. They were not thrilled about having to drain their reserve fuel tanks for this cause. Um, so, again, recent, recent, very, very recent kind of examples of military things that are going on within Hawaii um, having this time to do with Marines, but I'm not saying, again, this is not me, like, I don't want this to come across as me nagging and getting on the military's arse for all the things that have happened. Obviously, there are a lot more going into um, everything, <laughs> including what has happened with the overthrow. There's a lot more with that and I'm hoping one day I can make a longer video to kind of talking about it um, in a little bit more detail because there is um, the talks about the businessmen to um, kind of talk about um, going into those 13 businessmen who were the provisional government and then became the Republic of Hawaii and kind of took over the Hawaiian government um, there's a lot more to talk about as well, like how that affected daily life within Hawaii. Um, what were the different changes from the Hawaiian kingdom to becoming kind of this, uh, pro not proxy government, but kind of a government that was stuck in between a Hawaiian kingdom way and then having to become um, an entirely different a part of an entirely different country. So there's a lot of different aspects to it all that are very interesting to talk about. And as somebody who is very into culture and anthropology, I definitely want to get into that more. But for now, I think I've kind of said enough with um, all of it. So kind of just to do a quick, quick recap. Um, we talked about the overthrow kind of the events on that day and what happened in the years following to get all the way to statehood again kind of a little bit of a review um but then going a little bit more into depth about kind of the resolutions that have come politically and also the resolutions that have not come within kind of a social political cultural standpoint um and then also how this kind of affects politically because of the continued kind of, uh, not negligence, that's not the word I'm looking for, but that rocky relationship, the continued rockiness in the relationship and trust between the Hawaiian people, many Hawaiian people, and the military in, and government in the sense and regards to Hawaiian lands. Um, also talking about one reason for sure that Kamana Beamer has found on why the American government assisted in the overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom, which again tied back to Hawaiian lands and um, Hawaiian leases talking about H HB 499 and the most recent thing that happened, which is Red Hill. Um, again, I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend um, looking up for yourself about Red Hill, even if you're just mildly curious about what happened. 
Um, there's a lot that I do not know about both HB 499 and Red Hill, but I am hoping within the next coming of weeks, because I'm wanting to produce more content, um, that I can do maybe an episode about HB 499 and the feelings within the community from what I saw surrounding that bill, and then do an episode about Red Hill, because that is definitely still ongoing, um, something that's ongoing now. But for sure, for now, that was a good place to end, I think. Um, if there is anything confusing, if you have any confusion and you would like me to do like an episode or a quick 10-minute like clarifying episode, I'd be more than happy to do that. Sometimes I feel like I ramble on and I go all over the place. Um, so if there is any need for like a clarification, clarifying Jesus clarification episode I would I would be more than happy to do like a quick 10 minute thing um and upload that for sure so just like I said DM me you've got any questions you've got anything you want to talk about um DM me DM me I said it at the beginning of the episode but I'll say it again at Kohula writes at K-A-H-U-L-A writes with an S on Instagram. I'm more than happy to talk stuff out. Again, I want to clarify this to make it so, so loud. None of this was meant to bash the U.S. government or the U.S. military. Not outright. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm here when I am on Kahula, uh, on Kahula Rights or... Um, excuse me, not on Google Rights, when I'm on changing the narrative, I am just trying to inform if I have to give my opinion or if I feel like I want to give my opinion on different things, I do. But I'm not trying to bash the U.S. military and say that they are the bad guys or that the government is the bad guys. I am just simply saying what has happened and the different feelings around those things that have happened back then as well as in regards to what people feel today to those things that have happened. I do not want to start no drama, okay? I am just informing. I am an informant. I am telling what has happened from a Hawaiian scholar perspective, and that is simply it. But here we are. We are at the end. Thank you, friends, so much for listening Thank you to all of your support from last year, even though I only did 10 episodes and I barely uploaded. You guys who were constant listeners were amazing, and I'm really hoping that I can produce a lot more this year. So I hope you stick around. Next episode, we are probably going to be talking about one of the two things, HB 499, Red Hill, or something random. I am not sure yet. I apologize for that. I do not plan any of these out quite yet, but I'm just hoping I can get more content out. But until then, this has been Kahula on Changing the Narrative. Ahui ho ka ko.